Right, we're going to have our first Bible reading this morning, which is from Isaiah chapter 63, and it's verses 7 to 9. Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 to 9. It's on page 751 in the Pew Bibles, or it's on the screen behind me. Praise and prayer, it's entitled. I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their saviour. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. So, we come to our second reading. And it follows on from the the famous reading in Matthew, which talks about the birth of Jesus and then the visit of the Magi. And then it goes from verse 13 onwards, which you can find on page 966, and it's entitled, The Escape to Egypt. This is often the bit that doesn't get read. We forget that Jesus and his family had to scarper, and the reasons are given here. So from verse 13... When they had gone, that's the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realised that he had been outwitted by the wise men, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, And go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he, that's Jesus, would be called a Nazarene. We thank God for that reading as well. 
Good morning, church. Uh, my brother, Mike, um, earlier advised that I cannot remember the last time I came here. Sometimes when it's taking that long, you tend to forget, isn't it? And he attended the last um, local preachers meeting where I had to, to confess to the fact that in every service that I do officiate, I have this notorious attitude of tuning a new song. Right? And is your name Vanessa? And you've just accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I just want to let you know that that's the biggest decision you've ever made. Because your life in Jesus will be so amazing. Amen? And today is the first Sunday after Christmas. And the last Sunday of the year. How wonderful it is. And it's the last Sunday of a decade. And we're jumping into a new decade. Is that true? And I'll have to warn you that most of my services are interactive. <laughs> but I like this church. It's a beautiful church. And I like the singing, the band and everything. Because I love singing. Born in the manger long ago, God's only son came here below, came here to die, cause he loved us so. He is Christ, the savior of men. Now when I say men, it includes women. song? Okay. Don't worry if you can't pick up the words. I will sing and then all of us will sing the chorus because it's that easy. Born in the manger long ago, God's only son came here below. Came here to die cause he loved us so. He is Christ the Savior of men. Savior, Savior, why did you come? You are God's only Son. Savior, Savior, came to die for us all. Came to die for us all. Came to die for us all. How wonderful is that? I'll share with you a little story. 
I'm from Cameroon, and Cameroon is one of the African countries. During Christmas, or the build-up towards Christmas, we always buy a lot of chicken. Chicks, chicks, so to speak. I'm from a polygamous family, so we are about 21 children, and we buy as much as 20 to 30 chicks. That is around October period. And so, we're giving them corn, feeding them with the vision of Christmas. I don't know how you could visualize this. Here in the UK or in the Western world, you just go to the shop and buy your chicken or your turkey. But with us, chicken was special. And so we have to tender these little chicks. We buy 20 to 30, knowing that possibly as they grow towards December, a snake might kill one, or uh, avian flu, anything could happen. So we end up about 10 or 9. And so our mothers will say, okay, the first five will be for Christmas, and the next four will be for the last Sunday after Christmas. And so, in a typical African tradition, when we cook and eat, we eat in a community. That everyone, we eat on one tray. Perfect. So, can you hear me now? Good. And so, my stepmom put this big tray of food in front of us, all of us eating from the same tray. And I sat there eating. No chicken. So, what's going on here? My stepbrother, every time he sends his hand to eat, he picks up a piece of chicken. My luck, every time, I said, why is it that you're so lucky and I'm not lucky? And so I sent my hand to his side and I grabbed a big piece of chicken and he held my hand. He said, you have to eat in front of what is in front of you. I said, no, no chance. I can't let go of this chicken, this piece of chicken. We're like fighting, fighting, fighting. And you know, he was stronger than me, being a big brother, and I realized that I was losing my chicken. The food I was eating was pepperish. It had a lot of pepper. Sorry to say this, but I had to spit on him, to his face. And so the pepper affected his eyes, so he let go of my hand. I said, ooh, I've won. And with that, we started fighting. And every meal that we had went to the floor. So, how does that connect with Christmas? <laughs> My stepmother came over and asked, what's the problem? I said, well, I'm sorry, 
asked her to be everything. She said, well, this chicken that you guys are eating is because of Christmas. And Christmas is not about the chicken in itself. It's about eating, being happy as a family to celebrate the birth of Christ. And so she taught us a song. And that song has always been with me from the time I started knowing Jesus Christ until this day. So, she said she's going to preach a sermon and she called the sermon The Chicken and the Message. But today, the message is not the chicken and the message. Here is a song. Who is he in yonder store at his feet? The shepherds fall. Tis the Lord of wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of. Thank you very much. Can we sing? Who is he in yonder store? At his feet the shepherds fall. Tis the Lord a wondrous story. Tis the Lord the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. And so, as we grew up, we understood that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. So the chicken and the message sang unto me, and that's why I could testify that standing before you today, that's part of the reason I'm a preacher. Amen. My dear Christian friends, the countries and citizens of the world continue to make decisions about whether or how to accept refugees in the world. We've just had a reading about Jesus being a refugee. Did you get that? And Mike did insist that Many a times, this part of the reading is not being read. Is that true? And much we have heard in the news is the Syrian refugees. But all across the world, you have refugees. And I will say this because part of my family are refugees. So I know much what it means to be a refugee. My wife there, my beautiful wife there, Sonia, before saying this, I've asked her permission. <laughs> she was a refugee. And her sister just came in on 1st of December after fighting with the Home Office for more than 10 years to be accepted into the country as a refugee. My wife's mom 
died last year on her birthday. She was in a refugee camp. She left the refugee camp, went into the village. On her way coming back, she was crushed by a car, a truck to death. Flattened. It's sad. But hold your breath. Before that, she was refused to come to the UK in 2015. So, she passed away last year. So, I understand what it means to be a refugee. And I went there for her burial last year. And I experienced the life of refugees myself firsthand. So, sorry if that has upset anybody, but I pray that by the end of the service, the good Lord, who has the power to transform life, will heal you. Amen. Syrians certainly wish they could have stayed in their own homes, like any other refugee, surrounded by friends and families. In the culture they know and love. But so many have made that, made that horrible choice that it's safer to risk the seas to live in a refugee camp. We see that in the news. One of the disturbing things that we as a Christian have seen shortly is that most governments around the world, especially in the Western world have voted for right-wing governments or um, those in positions of authority who are not so friendly to refugees. And it's disturbing from statistics that over 80% of white evangelical American Christians voted to elect a president who wants to keep these refugees out of that country, the U.S., so to speak. That makes this exactly the right time for us to consider the passage in Matthew where Jesus becomes, with his parents, a refugee. In a story that is as ancient as human culture and as modern as tomorrow's news, they flee a tyrant who doesn't care if children live or die. Is that true? Is that true? I did warn you that I wanted to be interactive. Is that true? The first day or the first Sunday after Christmas, we're not allowed to dwell on any nostalgic, lovely picture of a baby in a manger. The first Sunday after Christmas, we already have a weeping and suffering God. This is not a kind of reading and sermon we want to have while most of us still have our Christmas trees um, in our living room. Please, let us think about the smiling faces of children playing with their new toys, of the communities in harmony, of peace on earth and goodwill to all. But how many of us in our secret moments, even at Christmas, have stood over the bed of a sleeping baby, a child, a grandchild, a nephew, a niece, 
the special friend, and thought of both the promise and fears of their future. We've, we have wished we could take away all the pain that the child might know, all the danger, all the evil. We have dreaded the day when some evil would enter. In every newborn baby, there is the promise of a future. Is that true? Yet, the hovering danger of illness and evil. If this has not also been true for Jesus, then he would not have been one of us. My dear friends, it is scandalous that the God of the universe would allow the tyranny of some little woman of a king like Herod and that the child of promise would have to be carried away 200 miles to a foreign land to be hidden. It is scandalous that children in our own town, Derby, are hungry, neglected, abused, and afraid. I work in the Department of Works and Pension in the job center, and I experience the hardship that families go through firsthand. It is scandalous that the world stands by as children in other countries, often brown-skinned and of different religion from ours, suffer deeply from hunger or from the triumph of evil. It is scandalous, isn't it? In Jesus, our ancient Christian doctrine says that God has taken on Humanity in all its forms. Delight and wonder as the child discovers his toes, says his first, says his first words, run to his parents' arms when he is afraid, plays with wooden carvings in his father's workshop. Then life is threatened by a dangerous, insane ruler and his poor family is on the run. Desperate, terrified, hiding, determined to survive. Some of his earliest memories, Jesus' earliest memories, may have been sensing the fear in his parents' voices as they tell him not to play outside, as they hide him until they are beyond danger. Poverty and homelessness are not strangers to Jesus. As the little family survives, they surely experience grief over the children who have not been saved. Perhaps some of the friends that were killed. So, are Joseph, Mary, and Jesus warmly received in Egypt? That's highly unlikely. As they and other refugees arrived, the Egyptian neighbors and officials surely must have complained about this, about those people who dress differently, those people who observe some kind of religion, those people who shop for special, hard-to-find foods. Those people who have strange kind of holidays, they don't understand and respect local customs. 
that carpenter, Joseph, is going to take someone else's job. He eats with them. Very soon, he will bring foreign foods here. They need to learn our language. I find it probable that these early life experiences and the stories recounted by his parents helped to shape our Lord Jesus' ministry later on. Is that true? Is that true? And that is why sometimes they say, when Jesus is, goes around and mixing with everybody, even in the lowest of society, they say he calls himself Lord, yet he eats with them. Because prior to that, he has been nurtured to feel comfortable with everyone, regardless of class, race, tribe, and tongue. My dear Christian friends, the incarnation of Jesus Christ holds many levels of meaning for the person of faith. When we find ourselves in the pinnacle of Christmas joy, we experience Jesus as a boy delighting in every new discovery. When we find difficulty, illness, or loss, we experience Jesus as one who knew deep suffering himself. When we wonder who cares about all the forgotten people. We experience Jesus as a young man whose family was forced to flee the evil regime just to survive. This is the radical truth and beauty of Christmas. As the season fades, its complex story lives on in you. And in me. How will you reflect the lights of Christmas? Be a companion to the lonely? Someone who fills back pockets with food for children? A person who cares for family, friends, and neighbors? A courageous soul who supports all refugees who flee from tyranny, despair, and fear into the land of safety and hope. We have to choose whether to be ruled by faith or by fear of the other. Our choice is aided by remembering the entire story. Without the difficult parts, it is only a sweet fairy tale. Is that true? Recognizing and owning the harshness of life, including the life of Jesus, the refugee, gives our faith reality, meaning, and purpose. My dear Christian friends, so what next? What next? Mike talked about our past, what has happened, and people gave their stories of what has happened in 2019. And as he said, 
sometimes you can never be prepared for the kind of answer that someone could give. Is that true? Is that what he said? And so we continue with the story of Jesus the refugee and see what next. If your life has ever been disrupted and you needed a safe place to get away, if you've ever known it was no longer safe or good for you to stay where you were or to stay the way you were, if you've ever left the known and familiar and traveled into darkness, into the unknown and unfamiliar, if you've ever realized your life was at risk and you had to make a change, if, you, if your survival depended on crossing borders into a new and foreign land, you've ever experienced these or a thousand other things like them, then know what it is to be like a refugee. But let me tell you something. That's all past. Because we are moving into a new year. We are moving into a new direction. Vanessa testified that. My dear Christian friends, life troubles could hold you down. That could be your Herod. That could be your Egypt. But the good Lord will move you from that Egypt and take you to the promised land. So, the story we've heard about the fleeing of Jesus should not only be a story of running away from tyranny, should reflect upon ourselves as Christians. I don't know what your refugee story is, but I will tell you this. And I will bet that you have had at least one time in your life when you had to get to Egypt. Your life depended on it. You left home for a better place, a different life, a new way. Someone had a new driver's license. Someone passed their driver's license. That's a new challenge altogether. My dear Christian friends, every time I hear this story, the story of Jesus the refugee, every time I read about refugees in the news, every time I reflect on my own refugee in my own family, my times in Egypt, I cannot help but wonder what if, and wonder what if, Egypt had closed the borders at its heart. What if the Holy Family had arrived only to find a big wall and locked doors? What if the wannabe pharaohs had unleashed on them the dogs of fear and prejudice? What if the Egyptian said, there is no room for you here? What story would we be telling? Would there be any good news? Our first song we sang today was the good news. My dear Christian friends, as we moved 
2020. It's a new decade altogether. And I just want to tell you how the good Lord loves you all and has brought you this far. 2019 could have been marvelous, could have been full of sorrows. But life in itself, the good Lord did not promise that it's going to be a smooth sail. But he promised that there will be a smooth landing. All weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. For weeping is not forever, because joy is on its way. The trials and tribulations the young family went through is a joyous story that we are here today, this Sunday. And we celebrate. Happy New Year to you all. Amen.